Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast. We're talking about Thomas Ash, Theodore Watts, Dunton, Algernon, Charles Swinburne. In a stunning coincidence, says Acoustic Hills, I had my first rehearsal of the new year with a choir today, and we got handed a piece with text by none other than Algernon Charles Swinburne. I saw the name and thought it looks familiar. The text is taken from a larger poem, The Eve of Revolution, and the composer picked and chose a bunch of lines about the earth and composed a piece. Lots of speaky text and sound effects in the choir and percussionists depicting the sea and stuff like that. In another stunning coincidence, the recording on the publisher's website is of the choir at the major university in my hometown, so when I was asked... when Sorry... So when I was a middle schooler in boy choir, I sang on that stage with that organ in the background. Anyway, I'll be playing piano on that piece in a spring concert, so I might have another recording of myself to share. Wow, that is crazy. Such a coincidence. I'm looking at the stage now from your old uh, choir stomping ground there, Lawrence University concert. It's quite a beautiful room. That organ is amazing. Holy heck. Acoustic Gills, you have a very interesting life. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of... I don't know, there's a... Uh, real romanticised in my imagination, but you're at uni, you're on these beautiful stages, you're playing music in orchestras, you're, uh, you know, day-to-day giving real meaning and life to, you know, even these ancient, ancient, not the word, these old (laughs) poems that we're just kind of digging up as a, you know, a little exercise in in history, but you're actually making use of them in your day-to-day, which is just so cool. Swim says the mum fishy says there's not much about Thomas Ash on the internet. His day jobs were variously cleric, schoolmaster in math, and editor. The internet does tell us though that Ash was a poet of considerable charm. He wrote steadily from his college days to the end of his life, but although his powers were recognised by some of the literary journals, his poems failed entirely to gain the ear of his generation. Theodore Watts Dunton was an English poet, uh, sorry, poetry critic. Um, and major periodicals and himself a poet. He's remembered particularly as the friend and minder of Elgin and Charles Swinburne, whom he rescued from alcoholism and drug use and persuaded to continue writing. Wow. Watts Dunton is widely praised for extending Swinburne's life and encouraging his enthusiasm for the landscape verse and that was amongst the best of his later works. However, Watts has also been castigated for sabotaging the completion of Swinburne's erotic, sadomasochistic novel. Even so, he was not able to wean Swinburne off his interest in flagellation. On that note, Swinburne was an English poet, playwright, novelist and critic. He wrote several novels and collections of poetry such as poems and ballads and contributed to the famous 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Cool. All right. A.C. Bourne is pretty colourful. His mania for masochism, particularly flagellation, probably began at Eton. Is this... Who's A.C. Bourne? Ah, Swinburne. Same guy. Uh... 
Rossetti once had to tell him to keep down the noise. He and a friend had been sliding naked down the banisters and disturbing Rossetti's paintings. Uh, when people began to talk scathingly about his homosexuality and other sexual proclivities, he circulated a story that he had engaged in pederasty and bestiality with a monkey and then ate it. Finally, Oscar Wilde, thoroughly capable of inventing his own interesting fictions, called him a braggart in manners of vice, who had done everything he could to convince his fellow citizens of his homosexuality and bestiality without being in the slightest degree a homosexual or a bestializer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Swinburne sounds like he was an interesting character. My Book of Verse edition tells me that we're 94% complete. It feels like coming into port after a sea cruise or finally seeing the car in the parking area after a long hike. <laughs> it's a good analogy, swim. It does feel like that, but also I've been in that, on a sea cruise and when you come up to the port and you're like, oh, we're at port, and then that last you know, 6% of the journey... Um, when you think we've, we've reached land, but actually the docking process goes for several hours and you're stuck just standing there watching the dock come very, very slowly closer. So yes, we have, we're up to 94% complete, but I, I still feel like the last 6% is going to drag on considerably. Um, all right. What are we doing? What are we doing? Reading poems. Scrolling, scrolling. I have to scroll further and further every episode, and by now I nearly have to scroll all the way to the bottom of the contents. William Dean Howells is our first poet today. 1837. Doesn't have a date, a second date, so I'm, I don't know if that's his date of birth, or year of birth, or year of death. Probably year of birth, actually. Um, an unknown death. Earliest spring, tossing his mane of snows in wildest eddies and tangles, lion-like march cometh in, horse with tempestuous breath, through all the morning moaning chimneys, and athwart all the hollows and angles, round the shuddering house, threatening of winter and death. But in my heart I feel the life of the wood and the meadow, thrilling the pulses that own kindred with fibres that lift, bud and blade to the sunward. Within the inscrutable shadow, deep in the oak's chill core, under the gathering drift, nay to earth's life, in mind some prescience, or dream, or desire, how shall I name it or write, comes for a moment and goes, rapture of life, ineffable, perfect, as if in the briar, leafless there by my door, trembled a sense of the rose. Uh, all right. I liked that. William Dean Howells. I don't know what it meant. I didn't really absorb the meaning of it, but I liked it nonetheless. So I'm going to add it to my Poets Good document. Um, Bret Hart, 1839, died 1902. The poem is called What the Bullets Sang. Oh, joy of creation to be. Oh, rapture to fly and be free. Be the battle lost or won, though its smoke shall hide the sun, I shall find my love, the one born for me. I shall know him where he stands, all alone, with the power in his hands, not overthrown. 
I shall know him by his face, and his godlike front and grace, I shall hold him for a space all my own. It is he, O oh my love, it is I, all I love, foretold, it is I, O oh love, what bliss, dost thou answer to my kiss, O oh sweetheart, what is this, lieth there so cold? John Todd Hunter is our next poet, 1839 to 1916, Maureen is the first poem. Oh, you plant the pain in my heart with your wistful eyes, girl of my choice, Maureen. Will you drive me mad for the kisses your shy, sweet mouth denies, Maureen? Like a walking ghost I am, and no words to woo, white rose of the west, Maureen, for it's pale you are, and the fear that's on you is over me too, Maureen. Sure, it's one complaint that's on us, a store, a store, this day, bride of my dreams, Maureen. The, s the smart of the bee that stung us, his honey must cure, they say, Maureen. I'll coax the light to your eyes and the rose to your face, Maureen, my own Maureen. When I feel the warmth of your breast and your nest is my arms embrace, Maureen. Oh, where was the king of the world that day? Only me, my own true love, Maureen. And you, the queen, with me there in your throne in my heart, my tree, Maureen. Agabdo is the next poem. There's a glade in Agado, Agado, Agado. There's a green and silent glade in Agado. Wait, let me just pause a second and start again. <coughs> Sorry about that. All right, Agadoi, Agadoi. There is a glade in Agadoi, Agadoi, Agadoi. There's a green and silent glade in Agadoi. Where we met my love and I, love's fair planet in the sky over the sweet and silent glade in Agadoi. There's a glen in Agadoi, Agadoi, Agadoi. There's a deep and secret glen in Agadoi. I'm probably saying that word wrong. Um, Aghadoi. Hey, I have no idea. Where I hid from the eyes of the red coats and their spies, that year the trouble came to Agadoi. Oh, my curse on one black heart in Agadoi, Agadoi. Oh, Sean Dew, my mother's son in Agadoi. When your throat fries in hell's drought salt, the flame be in your mouth for the treachery you did in Agadoi. For they tracked me, that glen in Agadoi, Agadoi, when the price was on his head in Agadoi, over the mountain, through the wood, as I stole to him with food, where in hiding lone he lay in Agadoi. But they never took him living in Agadoi, Agadoi, but the bullets in his heart in Agadoi, there he lay, the head, my breast keeps the warmth of where twould rest, gone to win the traitor's gold from Agadoi. I walked to Mallow Town from Agadoi, Agadoi, brought his head from the gold's Jail's gate to Agadoi, then I covered him with fern, and I piled on him the can, like an Irish king he sleeps in Agadoi. Oh, to creep into that can in Agadoi, Agadoi, there to rest upon his breast in Agadoi. Sure, your dog, for you could die with no truer heart than I, your own love cold on your can in Agadoi. And that's going to be a pause for tonight, I think. Whatever the heck Agadoi is, we're ending on that. <laughs> um, Alright. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.